Always live lovely. So welcome back, lovely people. I know it's been a minute. I know I told y'all season two was coming and I started and I stopped, but it's okay because we're going to roll out these next couple of episodes, honestly, over the course of this next month and a half so that we can, we can finish up this season two. Very short, very sweet, like I said, like I promised. And there'll be a little surprise at the end of the season of why the season is very short and very sweet. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, today we are going to be having episode 11 of Breaking Barriers, a mental health discussion podcast. And we have an amazing, beautiful person who is here to just really shed some light on some important topics. I'm super excited. Y'all know, but we've really been trying to like plan and do the Zoom and do the recording, <laughs> do the conversation. And we've been struggling. But we're here because we want to get this information out to you. So today we are going to be talking about an undocumented lens, which I think is just such a, that's a savvy, that's a savvy title. You know, I'm not even going to take, I'm not going to take the credit for that. This is, this is all this phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal guest's idea. that I will be talking to today when it comes to an undocumented lens is Amrith Kaur. And I'm going to allow Amrith to introduce herself, but definitely just so that you know a little bit about who she is. She is a storyteller and I really love being able to just identify when people identify themselves as like a storyteller because she's into the arts and really making an impact with the work that she does and I'm all about arts because y'all know I have a background with like singing and dance and so anytime that I get somebody that's artistic I'm through the roof about it and them just taking their passions and things that are very like social justice driven things that are very important in life and just being able to do it all encompassing it's beautiful so she's a storyteller and she's also the community organizer um, who founded, co-founded the Brown Girl Joy Production. So she's going to tell you a little bit more about herself in the beginning and towards the end, she's going to tell you even more of like what you can expect from her, different projects she has coming out. But for now, Amrit, please introduce yourself to the lovely people. Yay, thank you so much, Shatina. I really appreciate being on here and shout out to you for, you know, helping organize this. I know we've been trying to do this for over two months, actually, since like the beginning of February. So we're yes. finally here and, you know, I'm really appreciative. I'm really glad I'm really present with you right now. So yeah, hi everyone. My name is Amrit Kaur. My pronouns are she, her, they, them. I'm a queer and documented filmmaker and storyteller from Los Angeles, California. I immigrated to the US with my family from India in October, 2000. And I've been here for a little bit over two decades now. Uh, the work that I do is creative work that really, really challenges white and just traditional narratives, API folks, you know, BIPOC individuals, LGBTQ plus individuals are like in the U.S. while also exploring what does community healing look like? What does individual mental health look like? And what does joy look like for folks like us, right? And so with that being said, I co-founded 
my production company with my younger siblings, Jazz and Imani Kaur. It's called Brown Girl Joy Productions. And that's kind of the work that we're doing right now, exploring all these different avenues and intersectional um, topics and identities uh, through our filmmaking work, as well as our consultant work and other media making work. So yeah, that's what that's what I'm here for. And thank you again, Chatina, for having me. I appreciate of it. Of course. And I just really, I want to take a moment to just acknowledge like the family business aspect of things. Oh, like yeah. the fact that you created this with your sisters is so phenomenal to me. Yeah, we try to make really a legacy. Exemplifies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's important, you know, like we came to this country with nothing in hand. And and here I am as the eldest of four younger siblings, you know, trying to trying to make a name for us here. You know, and my parents did so much to to be here so it's like I gotta make it you know like I gotta gotta do all this extra stuff so I appreciate you saying that too it's really affirming and also on that topic I just wanted to say you said you did singing oh my god I would love to ask you to sing for us later oh my god <laughs> That'd be so funny. we have like a little Beyonce moment yeah. right <laughs> karaoke mic then you have to razzle and dazzle that in there <laughs> mm. yes absolutely definitely arts is in my background um and it'll be cool to like even just for us to collaborate on something yeah, yeah. Like, what other artwork do you do though like what do you do usually like my background because I went to an art school or arts high school um so my emphasis there was vocal music and then during that time Ooh. I also danced and then of course like you know when you go to college and when you go to like grad school then that becomes a very primary focus oh, for sure. so like mental health and getting my master's getting licensed took a lot of energy um, but I'm definitely trying to find a way because I just have vision for Always Live Lovely to not only just offer the therapy aspects or the consultation aspects um, and just putting educational information out, but I've always had a dream of being able to kind of integrate the arts side of me, like whether it's through some type of visual, because sometimes I can be pretty visually creative, whether it's through dance, most definitely through music and healing, because there's like an avenue now to where people yeah. do the kind of music style that I always dreamed of when I was little, which is like, um, motivational mental health messages type of music, whether it's affirmations or it's just kind of like having a storyline that's like a mental health storyline to uplift people. I'm really into that. So I'm hoping to expand it in that way <laughs> throughout the, so throughout this year and the coming years. That's so dope, dude. Congrats. So you're doing Thanks. such amazing work too. And even like real quick, before we dive into my thing, I would love if you would just share like what inspired the name like always live lovely it already yeah. like just hearing you say that name made me already want to like live a better life and like just feel good about myself so I would love for you to share with us and your audience yeah. like what inspired the name you know nobody actually has ever asked me that the interesting thing about it is I started always live lovely as a blog in 2013 so it was just a wow. blog. And then so when I had the blog then in the bio, I would kind of give like, a, this is where I got the name from and this is what it means to me. And then of course, over time it's morphed into like a business and it's become more of a thing. But I always mention like, this is something I've been doing since 2013 and this is where it started and this is where I'm trying to go. But um, it's actually based off of my grandfather um, um, on my mother's side because every time it was like a phrase he would say, every single time, no matter what was going on in life, literally, no matter what was going on in the life, if you asked him how he was doing, he would say, I'm doing lovely, lovely, lovely. Like, that's what he always said. I never heard him say anything different, oh, no matter yeah. what life threw at him. And then, so it was kind of a way of probably like my way of honoring, because I love honoring my ancestors because he's now passed away for some oh, time now. So it's a nice. way of like being able to honor him. And it was just like, you know, that's really beautiful to have that perspective that no matter 
what triumphs you need to overcome in life, whether you're at the top of the top or the lowest of the low, he always just stayed consistent with seeing the brighter side of things. And lovely is just like, it's a beautiful word. Like, you know, as mentioned yeah. in the Bible, you know, meditating on things that are lovely. When you think of what's lovely, it just makes you feel good. It's just so, so warm. And that's why I have the rose in there. Cause it's just so warm and encompassing of just like something that's just so beautiful. So I was like, you know what? Always live lovely. I really want to help people figure out what that means for them, what that looks like for them mental health wise to literally always live lovely so that's pretty much where the name came from oh that is so beautiful thank, thank you, you for sharing that and as soon as you mentioned honoring your ancestors and your grandfather always saying I'm I'm lovely you know um I just I I resonated with the heart because a lot of the um like my current project for Bronco Joy Productions which mm-hmm. I'll get into later on um it was also inspired by my grandmother and my mom's side. Okay. Um, and so like, there's a whole thing there too. So yeah. 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 Oh, I would love to. That's so ironic. <laughs> yeah. That's so ironic. I would definitely love for you to share more about that because I think like that's important. And one thing that you mentioned is like, when it comes to your family story and like coming here and coming to America, wanting to have a legacy, I feel like the road that we all travel is like an additional length to that road that the people before us have traveled so we're just like passing that torch on and like just Mm -hmm. keeping and hoping to like elevate it rather than kind of bring it down to shambles but elevate it and then so the fact that like you know you're mentioning like okay this is a way of something that was inspired from people before you too that's a really amazing thing and it's going to help just continue to build this legacy that it is that you mentioned that you know your sisters are trying to do because it's going to be amazing people are going to know about it (laughs) it's gonna it's gonna become this very big thing bigger than probably what you ever even imagined so it's just a simple fact that's like wow like this can go back and honor someone else who put in hard work you know and really try to help your family make a way yeah no absolutely and the the way I think of it too is like um it's similar to what you said of like you're building on things I think of it as like we're like for my family and I right now we're at a point where we're standing on a mountain right that was built very slowly by different people and like what our job right now is to of course like you know look back and like assure that all the people who you know sacrificed and like who brought us up to that point are honored in great ways right as we're standing on the mountain but like now our job is to not just be on that mountain and like be overlooking things. It's to build it even higher for that, like you know, right. for the next people who come in our family, like our kids, you know, our future generations to also have the opportunity to not just stand on that mountain, but also to like have that moment to stand even higher and to look back and be like, wow, this is how far we've come. This is so much of like what our life, you know, like our life legacies were and like mm-hmm. what we need to keep carrying. And so I think like, even for us, like, all the things that we do in our company um, are very encompassing of like these, these definite like themes of honoring family, honoring ancestors, also honoring like our, um, you know, matriarchs. Like my mom basically was the one who, she actually helped us escape India because my dad's family was uh, trying to kill us because she had two daughters. So like the whole immigration story is kind of wild. It's really wild. Yeah. Like I was three and my younger sister was like, she had just turned one. And so we had to basically leave India like in a rush because my dad's family did not like us because we we're daughters. And in the nineties, when you're born as a daughter, like you're not honored and you're not like mm-hmm. um, liked as much and you're not given the respect that you need. And so like oftentimes what would happen, happen in Punjab is when the wife would have a daughter, like she would either be kicked out or like the husband would be allowed to like 
you know, marry, get married again. And this was not like legal or anything. It was just like the family would just do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's not to, and that's also just to clarify, like, I'm not speaking for all of India. I'm speaking mm-hmm. of just like my village and like right. where I come from in the state of Punjab. Um, and like, that's kind of like what was really, really normal in the nineties. And it's still really, it's messed up, but it's still happening in a lot of different little villages in that state. Um, but yeah, so we, we ended up having to come here because my mom was the one who like, told my dad like she gave him an ultimatum she was a badass and she was, she was like look I'm Here. either gonna take your daughters and I'm gonna run away uh-huh. or gonna figure something out with your family and my dad's way of figuring it out was like just like co- like connecting with so many different people to like end up going to like a couple different countries before we ended up in Los Angeles and so like it was kind of like we went to Dubai to see if we could settle there and then we went to like I think England we had some relatives mm-hmm. there and then finally we landed here in the U.S. and this is kind of where we ended up staying because like the education system here was the best, like it's free public okay. education, you know, um, and he had a couple of different, like, I think no, we didn't have relatives here in LA, but we had different friends of his that like he knew back from like back home in his village. And so like we ended up coming here, but the whole idea of it was like now for 25 year old that uh, I'm identifying queer person. Now I'm like thinking about these ideas that like my yeah. mom was basically the person who made this happen not even my dad you know and mm-hmm. like as someone who never had a lot of power in her life for me now it's like important to honor her as like absolutely you know the matriarch you know and that's that's kind of like where I think that that mountain building comes up is like it is all about legacy building and like mm-hmm. also of course like breaking you know like traumatic I guess traditions while doing it because my parents mm-hmm. and I do have a lot of pushback on what I'm doing and like how I'm trying to do it but like it's we're both or I guess I guess like sorry my parents myself we're all trying to go to the same place you know the same goal just in different ways like their understanding of like what a great daughter is or like what a great family member is is so different than what mine is like mine is all about like you know I make sure everyone's mental health is great like I make uh-huh. sure that people are good and that, like you know people are doing things that make them happy in their life whereas for my parents they didn't have that privilege right like they had to right. just work seven days a week they had to like work whatever job they could like just suck up you know and like just shut up and not like think about their own pride whereas for us like now we have the privilege of right. thinking about things like mental health and stepping mm-hmm. up and yeah exactly stepping up and thinking about the opportunities that they've basically created for us and so like so that's also part of the legacy building for me is like yeah thinking about these things right like of like how do we make it better for people who come after us and not just in the way of like opportunities like money you know or like resources but like just even like our mental health and like our relationships, you know, on one-on-one level. Like, so yeah. 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 And I think, you know, that really adds even more just to the underlying story of brown girl joy. Like that Mm. says a lot. And just the fact that you're naming something and kind of pushing something in that way. in the story that you just shared with us is like, you can see where the barriers are being broken and how your mom was kind of like, this ain't it. Like, this yeah. is not the way we about to do this. And she kind of like sparked that. And then you guys are just basically carrying it, carrying it to like the next level and making it a thing for it to be okay for the women to be honored. Like, I feel like that is like extremely dope with the way that you just said, like, you know, in where you're from, like the, the girls, like they're not respected. They're not honored, yeah. but it's the whole idea of being able to be proud of who you are, being proud of what you represent, being proud of, you know, where you've been and where you're trying to go. And I heard you say that mental health wise, you know, you're, it sounds like you're very passionate about that. Um, and yeah. trying to bring like a shining light to that as well, because I can only imagine like <laughs> mentally what that felt like for your mom mentally, what that even felt like for your dad, you know, y'all being little and having to see some of those things and kind of like going through the transition, um, and the experiences of trying to get here 
plant yourself and create something anew, something healthy, something better. Um, so mm. I'm curious just about like, you know, if you want to share a little bit more, even about like that mental health aspect of things um, and even what's kind of like helped you or like your mom, even more particularly like your mom, like just get to a space of being okay. Yeah. Um, honestly, transparently, like no one in my family is okay mentally because my parents don't, um, they don't have, like we live in California. So like, you know, California has covered California healthcare, but mm -hmm. my parents don't qualify for it. So they don't have full scope, like medical to be able to like get a therapist or even go right. to a simple doctor's checkup. And so like for us, uh, the biggest thing has been having to like take care of one another mm -hmm. in ways that's just not been super healthy for all of us. Like we've had to do, you know, the idea of like trauma bonding, things like that. Like we've kind of had to do all that for the last two decades. And like, even you saying like, yeah, like my, my youngest sibling and I, when we first came here, so it was just two of us in the beginning. And then our three youngest siblings were born here. So we're a mixed status family. Okay. Um, like some of us are undocumented and some of us are not. Mm -hmm. And so in our mixed status family, me being the eldest, like I kind of always had to, um, you know, like be that person that everybody would come to when there was different issues. Like, you know, my parents too, like they don't speak the best English. Like my mom doesn't know English at all. And my dad speaks it a little bit and he's pretty fluent now, but back in that day, like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, mm -hmm. he also wasn't the best. And so like, I would be the person that everybody came to, to like, you know, make doctor's appointments, make appointments at school. Like I would be the one that my siblings took to, to parent conference, parent teacher conferences. Right. Like, it was like, there was no other person who could understand mm -hmm. these things. And I would be like, I'd only be like nine or 10 myself. Trying <laughs> right, to like, you're like, you know, like translator, like, I don't know, you know, whatever, like, and like, anytime we had official documents come in the mail, you know, I was the one who had to read words and I'd be like, I don't know what litigate litigation right. is like. And my parents would be like, what do you got to school for? Are you stupid? Like, uh -huh. you know, so there's always these like immigrant parent moments and like, and immigrant child like moments for me growing up that kind of led to us all not having great mental health and like I never even heard the terms mental health until like I think I was like 19 or 20 and like I think around that time it was like 2014 to 15 ish when like even like the mental health movement was becoming a lot bigger right after like social media became a big thing like right you know in the 2010s and so like um with all that being said we from that mo from that time to now like fast forward like 10 years um we don't all have great mental health. Like my mom is still suffering a lot. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's her story to tell. So I won't say too much on it, but like she's suffering greatly because like our grandmother, you know, her mom passed away in 2018 from ovarian cancer. Um, uh -huh. And again, more on that later when I talk about my film stuff, because it's all inspired by all, by all that and that heartbreaking moment. Um, but my mom was never able to like go see in India. And like, she had never seen her mom for like over 22 years. Yeah. And she passed. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very hard time for her. And some of my other relatives in India who were really close to her passed as well. And, you know, in the last 20 years, like she's, she's gotten more and more heartbreak, you know, because she's with every person that passes, like the reality of her never maybe being able to go back to India sets in uh -huh. for her even uh -huh. harder. Right. Yeah. And so like for her, it's, it's just a really, really honestly, like, excuse my language, but like shitty thing. And there's no way I think that like we can even help her right now because it's like all stuff that she's had to internalize and she was forced to like basically keep it like you know compartmentalized for a long time while she was raising all five of us and now right. that she's older 
she's now starting to like kind of open all these boxes up in her head and she's now starting to like look at her trauma in a different way but it's not like it's I don't think she'll ever have a moment in her life where she'll be able, she'll be okay mentally now because it's like there's just too much that has happened yeah. and so my mom's like that and my dad also he's the very like typical you know like man of the house like patriarch who like keeps things to himself like he he feels like he's burdened with everyone's um see on him so like he works like six to seven days a week um he does manual labor like a construction a construction work sorry and for him it's like always been about making sure everyone else in the family is good and not mentally but like just that the bills are paid right. the roof over our head the basic, the basic necessities, necessities. And even growing up, I, I had that moment where, I don't know if you've watched Fences or read it, like, you know, Denzel Washington, mm-hmm. where he's like, you know, he's telling his son, like, you know, you think God will love you? Like, I, of course I love you. Like, what do you think me paying your bills is? What do you exactly. think me keeping a roof over your head is, right? And like, and that's kind of like what my dad was growing up. Like, we'd be like, you don't love us. And like, you know, my sister and I would always just have arguments with him. And he'd be like, of course I do. Like, look at what I'm doing. Like, mm-hmm. I'm here doing all this extra stuff. And so like mental health in my family is still going to be a huge journey because everyone, there's seven of us, right? Like my parents and five siblings, like we're all at different places in our lives. Like I'm 25 now, like I mentioned, and I'm barely starting to like assess the fact that I do need to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. I've never had a therapist before because I also never had like full scope medical, but I'm I'm in grad school now and we do have like, you know, healthcare from the UC system. And so like Mm -hmm. I'm now at a point where I'm like, oh, I can get it like for at least another year while I'm in school and, you know, just hope that that helps. But everyone else in my family is, again, at different places. And like, you know, it's just it's going to be a journey for all of us. And it's a different journey, you know. Right. Um, I can just hope that like in the future we'll all be, you know, okay and be able to like talk to one another about different difficulties that we faced. Yeah. 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 And I absolutely hear just that whole story of like what what a lot of different people tend to have to do is just kind of like survival doing what you have to do to survive and life is throwing some really crappy things at you and you don't really have the time to process or fall apart or cry or do that because you got to make sure you're taken care of your family is taken care of and then so it like gets pushed to the back burner or you don't really have the time to invest in it or it's so stigmatized that it's like you know that's just not what you do and then so the fact that like you know even though you all are at different paces it sounds like everyone's kind of, you know, having a little bit of understanding in little ways along the way, because it's never too late. Like mental health, we we have a brain. So we're, we're going to have like a form yeah. of health until the day that we're not here anymore. And then so it's never too late for people to come around and just seek better and seek understanding. Mm. And I hear you with really just wanting that um, for the different members of your family, because, you know, you all have a variety in ages, a variety in generations. um, And it's that whole idea of not giving up, or at least within the family unit, finding healthier and better ways to support each other. Because even if, even if that's what it has to be, that you all lean on each other, like, you know, like you said, trauma bonding can happen like very quickly and very easily. But the moment that people become aware and have more knowledge about something, little shifts can happen to where it doesn't have to be like, okay, well, we're connected purely through trauma and then we trigger each other and then it just causes this whole ripple effect like you're able to be like okay well what are better ways that we can communicate or when we're spending time together what are things we can do to bring joy and facilitate joy or how can y'all just recreate um the narrative in a way for yourself to where you know it doesn't always have to bring so much heartbreak but that it can also be honorable you know and that it also can can be bring like okay 
uh, love and strength and like reflect on like those very deeply rooted themes that are within there too. Um, and y'all definitely have the power to be able to do that within your own unit. And just like, I hear that struggle too of like the access to be able. To yeah, there's no access. Yeah, for yourself. It's not. And, and that's a very impacting thing. And I can imagine that, you know, on top of like your mom worried about like, okay, I can't even go back to see people and people die and things happen and not being able yeah. to just be there for them. And, you know, even, you know, things that you probably experienced and have for yourself. Do you feel like there's particular fears that have been like more prominent just in like you know for you in your life story whether it's mental health related or not as well as just the continued impact that you know you have seen whether it's in your family or people that maybe you've met within your community while being here in America that are experiencing the same things yeah absolutely oh that's a topic I could go on about day by day like it's so just so extensive. Um, some of the things that just come to mind real quick um, are like, for sure, yeah, like there's the experiences that my family have with like lack of access to even just a simple like therapy intake rate um, is huge in our community. So just to give you a quick breakdown, in California alone, um, in the last like few years, uh, there's a survey done. I forgot like the website, so I'm not gonna say the name because I completely forget. But mm-hmm. it was like one of the one of the like government official like um, like intake like report reporting uh, like websites. And I and I'll and when I when I send you a link of it, I'll remember the name as well. But basically, in the last just like ten years, the um, number one immigrating group of folks to California and the larger U.S has been API folks, okay? Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. Asian Pacific Islander folks. And amongst that group, the actual highest ethnic group that's been coming in and like a country of folks coming in are South Asian and, and particularly Indian folks. Mm-hmm. So we've had the highest number of folks immigrating in the last few years to California alone. And like a lot of the folks who have been immigrating are folks who end up either um, being undocumented or becoming formally undocumented. Like they're either like in the process of getting, you know, their residency, their green card, things like that, or they'll just be undocumented for quite a while, like five to 10 years here, or even longer, like in my family's case. And um, in California alone, we do not have a lot of healthcare access for these folks who are coming and like for these folks who are actually contributing to our society. And like, of course, not to be like, oh, folks who are like contributing to society and like paying taxes are the only ones worthy of, right. you know, um, healthcare access, because that's not true, like, right, and we're not trying to do the whole good immigrant, bad immigrant narrative, but we're all people who are like, you know, worthy of access, we're worthy of mm-hmm. healthcare, regardless of what we're doing or exactly. what we're not doing, right, and like, and that's for everyone, you, myself, like, my partner, your partner, like, our families, all that, but the thing that's like really messed up is that a lot of our community members, um, in the Punjabi and South Asian community do not have access to one healthcare, but then even within like the field of therapy, there's not a lot of uh, Punjabi therapists, like folks who speak Mm -hmm. Punjabi and folks who speak Hindi who can actually like, and then there's other languages as well, but even just the two main languages that like folks will be speaking here in California, right? Um, In our communities, like there's not a lot of therapists who speak these languages. And so even that is like a bigger barrier to folks like my parents and my community members who are older, right? Like the elders who do not have that, like, um, like that language access. And so like, even in that way, like there's so much that's left out and there's so much that isn't even like 
being worked on by our government and like, you know, by our different institutions and just these places, right? Like universities, all these places that are like, oh, we really care about people's mental health, especially BIPOC individuals. And it's like, for me, I don't see that in my community. I don't see mm-hmm. them coming in and like, you know, creating these accessible resources for us, like, and creating these toolkits, creating these like um, pamphlets and things in our language. Like even just a simple fact of like translating something, you know, into a language can help someone, even if they don't right. go to that actual place for something just them seeing a flyer of it like we'll get them thinking right about different things and get them to like maybe want to one day take actionable steps on their mental health and so that's one big thing um and then the other thing is um there is definitely a really big stigma of mental health in my communities of uh south asian folks where the older generation of folks i feel and even some of the younger ones um in my community like in my age range too a lot of the older ones and some of the younger ones like have this you know, stigma that if you do need to go to like a therapist, you're quote unquote crazy, or right. like there's something wrong with you, right? And that we do see in other BIPOC communities, as well as other like community members overall globally. But it's a huge, huge one in my community, especially like, I remember one time, like I was at the Gordwara, which is our Sikh temple. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned therapy, like out loud, to, out loud, sorry, to one of my siblings. And like, one of the like other aunties who was like sitting nearby at a table, she was probably and I don't want to assume but I could I could tell at that moment she was probably thinking like oh what kind of mental health issues do the, does this family mm-hmm. have? like you know she's being all nosy and like looking at us like oh there's something wrong there mm-hmm. like, we'll sniff it out and we was <laughs> like okay like you know it's just like a big big deal that like you, know, you can't even talk about it out loud you can't even do any kind of like I like for Brown Gorge Productions, one of our biggest goals one day is like in the next year or two to host like not just know your rights uh, workshops, you know, for undocumented folks and immigrants in our temples and our communities and our like community centers, but also to host like mental health workshops, right? And like maybe collaborate with folks like you, mm-hmm. you know, and like bring folks in to talk about these things who we're not even at a place yet where people can even like hear the word and be okay. Mental health, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's like, there's a long way to go with it. And of course, the first step is to definitely keep mentioning it and keep mentioning it and like keep encouraging folks to like be okay with it and normalize that word itself. Oh, you're sorry, sorry that phrase. Um, but it's it's just like so so long to go, and we also have so many other like intersectional issues and like just intersecting issues that go along with mental health that like un- until we start working on all these other things together, like it's just not gonna it's just not gonna be like a big revolutionary time for us to like. Right be doing mental health work you know what I mean right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the shifts it, it prohibits the shift from happening yeah exactly it, yeah it makes me think about like you know there's so many other bigger things that are impacting people on a daily basis that it's like yeah. nobody even has the time like who has the yeah. time to sit here and try to dig deep to figure out okay let me figure out my narrative of mental health it's like well I haven't had to do anything all this time for it I, I gotta survive <laughs> so yeah. What's the point of trying to figure this out? And that becomes very unfortunate because, you know, that's how people, you know, experience more depression or anxiety or personality disorders have like, you know, psychotic breaks, things like that, because nobody feels like they have the time to be able to put in that focus on themselves. And then when it is brought up, like mm. you said, it's that, oh my gosh, mental health, like what, what is wrong with you? Like, that's not yeah, what, yeah. no. Cause it, yeah. Cause a lot of our elders, right? Like they'll think that mental health is a, um, is like the least priority, right? Like it's between paying your rent and going to a therapist. Like exactly. for them, it's like the answer is obvious, right? Like I'm gonna pay my rent. Like, you know, I have to pay 1500 or 2K, whatever the rent is, right? Like they're like, 
have to pay my rent. I'm not going to be out here spending over a hundred dollars going to a 45 minutes to an hour therapy session. Like right. what they, then they'll be like, what is wrong with you? Let me right. give you my thoughts. <laughs> like, you know? um, so it's, it's, it's like that. And then even like, even with, uh, now that you mentioned that, I also thought about the fact that like, when I have tried to talk to my parents about their mental health, um, my dad will sometimes be like, okay, but I, but I have a lot of like dental issues. And because I don't ha- have yeah. health care for that, I can't even go in for a simple root canal. So mm-hmm. you want me to choose between like going to a therapy session and getting a root canal that I really, really need, you know, like, so for them, even that is like, mental health is almost like, it's not a real thing because it's not there physically. Right. And like, for them, like in my parents' generation of folks, like they're thinking of like health in terms of just your physical body and like, you know, just your internal organs, your bones and things like that. And right. Like for them, they don't think of like mental health as like a real, real, like physical thing. And I think that that's also definitely because like, this was not even a topic that was talked about, like even just like de- a decade ago, like we would only see like, you know, th- like things like therapy in movies, like, you know, sex in the city or like, you know, just these movies that only pr- primarily would have white characters. And like, even in my community, sometimes like when people mention therapy, they're like, oh, that's a white people issue, you know, mm-hmm. like, and it's like, that's because primarily white folks have had the like most access, access to, to it, therapy, exactly. right? So like, yeah, it's just, it's just like a lot of like cyclical things that like intersect. So it's like in order to counter this one, well, we need to go to this and then we need to go to, and it's just like a spider web that becomes overwhelmingly huge. And like, we can't just do it on our own, right? Like it has to take a whole community. It has to take all of us to like mm-hmm. towards this. So yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, you know, like it it has me thinking just about like, you know, sometimes even when people don't have access, because even if I think of just like, you know, my ancestors and coming from people who were enslaved and not, of course, definitely (laughs) during that time, not having no access to no type of nobody that even cared that mental health issues were happening. Like it's still like at at certain Mm. moments, like the more that I am reminded, the more that I learn and, you know, different things that come up for me just in the history of that, like sometimes the community, you know, will come together and find their own ways of healing, rather it was like, rather mentally or physically, whether it was going to church or rather it was, you know, coming together just to celebrate something or it was doing hoodoo or voodoo or whatever the case needed to be, people Mm. were finding their own way of being able to cope. Do you feel like people within your community have, even if there's no access or even if it's like mental health isn't like the priority right now, do you feel like there are things that typically people have uh, done or even what you do um, that you have found to at least give you some sense of like, healing or joy or just a moment to like process and try and be okay with what's happening yeah thank you for asking that um yeah I just want to first acknowledge like yes you as a black person I feel like have us like so much more complexities and like just a harder time in doing stuff like this I'm, I'm really thankful that you know you're you're actually one of the only black therapists that I know of like that really I know yeah like that I know of and so like you doing wow. this work is just so so important um and I'm just in awe of you and I'm so inspired by you like you know um because we we need more black folks especially black women who are therapists because like oh there's so there's so much healing that needs to be done and so much like community work and you're really really out here doing the important work as you're also dealing with like you know all your own things that right. are going on and like <laughs> and you know just like general and like just intergenerational things and like all this other stuff that you have like you know on the back end and so yeah, I just want to acknowledge that and thank just take a moment you. to be like, wow, like you're amazing, you know? Um, yeah, and and thank you for asking that question because it is so important. Um, just like what you were saying, similar to that, um, 
you you definitely made me think of how there are moments where I feel really touched and really, really hopeful for my communities because we do come together in celebratory moments, in celebratory times, also in times of like need when some community members uh, comes to our temple and is like, I'm about to become homeless. Like I can't pay my mortgage. Our community members will come and pitch pitch money in like to make mm-hmm. sure this person can pay their mortgage and like have their home and stay afloat, right? There's been times where I remember like, even when I was a kid, like my dad and one of my uncles um, would um, come together with some of the other guys, like at that time, uh, who would do a lot of like seva, which is service in our Sikh community. And like their service work wouldn't just be for the temple. Like they would ask our community members who were sometimes like going through a hard time and they'd be like, what do you need? How okay. can we help you? Right. And like there, there would be more of like a self-reliant community thing going on than us like actually calling the authorities like you know cops and like you know asking like the government for help things like that like we've always like as Punjabi sick folks we've always been more of like community oriented and community knitted like where we'd all be all be together and we'd all like do our best to support people and of course that that doesn't include I would say LGBTQ plus folks and like folks who are different right like in different ways but in a larger sense even the folks who um don't believe in um you know, folks like me who are LGBTQ plus, like they would still come through knowing that I'm someone from their community and I'm like really suffering with things. So that's been a really great moment for me, like growing up to see that, like we do come together in the end, at the end of the day, like if there's someone who really, really needs help. And of course that doesn't, that's not with mental health, but I think that that does help knowing that there is some hope in, in the future for even things like mental health, right? Like, of course it's not like the biggest like solution that like it's, it's help that's monetary and help that's like, you know, like for need-based things, but it's hopeful for me knowing that like, of course, if my dad did that and my uncle did that, now with me being that person who's going to be giving, you know, or being of service and giving seva in my sick community, like now I know that like when I'm asking people, what do you need? I can also mention like mental health, right? Like, are you doing okay mentally? Like, mm-hmm. is your family like survive, like not just surviving physically, but how are you all doing mentally? Like, are you in an okay space to even have right. this conversation? And like, mm-hmm. and I think that like, of course, my ancestors, including my dad, my mom, right? Like, um, and their families, like they've all laid the foundation for it. And I think now it's like up to me and my siblings and folks my age and, who, and even younger kids who are going to become adults to like, really now like, you know, lay the actual like brickwork and like cements of making this foundation for this like amazing place and like so that's one of the hopeful things and and the other thing is like I do believe that like everyone in my community has like good hearts they're very genuinely good people you know even even though I've been heartbroken at times with some of the transphobia and homophobia that I've had Mm -hmm. to face myself um and some of the other issues like you know sometimes I feel like our community sometimes is sexist and you know like even my siblings and I being women doing this work in filmmaking has sometimes been not just round upon but people have straight up been like oh you're definitely like you're just doing this as a hobby like it's not a real thing you know like right but in my, in our eyes we're like no we're legit business women right we're <laughs> we out we're here we're like, <laughs> making money we're here like we're staying busy in books you know all of 2022 like that's the motto like mm-hmm. you know, i'm not just here playing like i'm not just picking up a little like iphone and being like Ooh, right video, <laughs> like y'all no. does this for real yeah. for real we do this for real you know we worked with big brands we've worked with like amazing music labels we've worked mm-hmm. with like amazing community members like you know like we worked with nonprofits to make psas for them like we've mm-hmm. done everything you know all types of different things and like of course we're still entry-level filmmakers and storytellers 
but nonetheless, we are those things, you know, we are exactly. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. And I think for me, like, that's been the biggest thing in my community is like, it sucks to say this, but like, they're going to start taking us more seriously when we do start winning the bigger awards and we start, yeah. you know, they start seeing our work in mainstream media and things like that. But I hope that even when, even now that like, I hope that they can understand that us doing this work isn't just for us. It's for all the other like queer mm-hmm. children and all mm-hmm. the other queer folks in our community who have never had the opportunity, you know, to speak up and like to actually talk about the issues. And so I hope that like we are inspiring in ways, if not for the elders, at least for the younger folks, you know, and yeah. so that's one of my biggest like takes on this is like, it sucks that like there's not a lot of supportive elder folks in our community for the work we're doing now. And we're like literally the pioneers in our community right now. Like there's no one else who's doing this work that we're doing. Yeah, I know I haven't heard of it. So yeah, exactly. So we're the pioneers. And like, I know that it's going to be a hard road for us, but like, we also like are understanding and affirming of the fact that like, it's going to be huge, you know, for all of the folks who come after us, because we opened that door now, you know, Mm -hmm. And and all the other queer sick folks who are doing this work too are opening these big doors for everyone to like come in and like in the next 10 years it'll be very normal in our community and maybe these community members won't be so hard on us you know it won't be so right you know looking down on us for doing the work we do and yeah you know and I think it helps for me um and just like for brown girl drive productions like it helps that my siblings are doing it with me because I'm not alone you know and so I don't feel like I'm the only filmmaker here I think it helps having the other siblings of mine like the two other ones like doing this too because then we're like no it's us it's all together so like we're not feeling gaslit and we're not feeling like you know quote unquote like going crazy because these people are making us feel that way you know so yeah so there's a lot of hope it's just going to take a lot of time right exactly exactly so from what you were just saying um for me one thing that I did want to like kind of like pull from that when it comes to mental health is like the whole idea that and something that I feel like I'm personally learning too when it comes to being vulnerable and allowing like for my community to grow and for me to like depend on people that are outside of just my family unit. Cause I'm very much a person that's like, I can depend on my family, but friends have let me down or all these different things. It's like, I'm realizing, um, especially, you know, in my marriage and different things and the kind of person that I'm with, um, it's just how important community is even from like watching him and just him allowing like community to be such a healing place for him and a place where a lot of people to show up. Um, it's teaching me that, uh, community plays a big part in your mental health. And then because the opposite of being with community and being with people is isolation. And then so in hearing you talk about um, just like your community and how you guys can come together, how all of you can come together and just um, support one another. Sometimes it can seem very small on the scale of like what mental health can truly mean to take care of like yourself. But I deeply feel that that is a form of taking care of your mental health. It's a form of finding connection. It's a form of not being isolated. It's a form of depending on one another. Like, and people find pure joy and purpose in being able to support each other. So I really do appreciate you kind of like pointing that out. And I wanted to highlight it. And, you know, since you've been in the direction of talking a little bit about your projects, business, you know, being, becoming (laughs) these mogul people, (laughs) like I would love to hear more about like the story behind it that we kind of touched on a little bit before. Um, and just the kind of work that you do like share with people, because I feel like it's so important and it really, it really struck me to hear you say like, wow, I'm the only black therapist that you know. And then like, you know, you're the only person that I know that's doing the work that you're doing. It's like a part of it is heartbreaking, like dang, but then a part of it is so like monumental. 
and so like inspiring and so just a an odd type of moment as well so I definitely want to make sure that people are just aware of what it is that you got that y'all have done as well as what's to come because it sounds really really amazing and you can it's so powerful you can see it and I love when I hear people saying like we know what we about to do. We know this is about to be big. Like you can see where it is that y'all are going. So definitely share more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank you so much. You're like praising us over here. I'm like, stop. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that. Thank you for recognizing that, Shatina. Um, yeah. So what's to come? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Not a what's to come. Let me talk about real quick. So we started off as three sisters who were just always really interested in filmmaking. Um, because because like we were always fascinated by storytelling because our mom would always tell us stories growing up of like you know India and like what it was like to have been there and because we were never able to like go back home you know we we had to always imagine and like visualize um what our home country looked like what our home over there would look like you know what our friends over there could have been and like and what our relatives were looking like when they were growing up because when we were growing up even though the internet became a big thing in my home my we couldn't afford internet and so we didn't have internet until I was like a junior in high school or like a sophomore in high school mm-hmm. so we never like did the whole like you know web like web camera chat thing with people until like I was literally like a senior in high school and so by that point you know I'm like 17 and like my cousins have all grown up you know and like anybody that I could have known at my own age like I couldn't even recognize them because all I would see is like pictures from them so we'd always have to like you know have visuals in our heads and so we naturally just became really um, and I don't want to like brag, but like we became really good storytellers. And I mean that in the most like genuine way of like we kind of like learned just by from our mother of like how to build stories, like you know, from start to end and like mm-hmm. what fascinating like perspectives to take from each one and like what angles to take. Yes, yeah, a skill. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like we learned how to do all that from our mom. And because we learned it from her, someone who's not educated here at all, like doesn't know any English. And like doesn't even write in English, things like that. It was even more impactful for us because like we learned how to do it in our own language. And then that made us like become very intentional about the stories that we're telling because it was always from a place of love and it was always from a place of like heartbreak, you know, from like being undocumented. And so like when we um started filmmaking, it was naturally always the stories that we wanted to like tell the world about ourselves, you know, and like. Like, for example, one of the first films we did in 2019, it's called Borrowed Dreams. That's an English translation. And then in Hindi, it's called Udare Sapne. Mm-hmm. So in that moment, Rango Joy Productions became like a, a thing, like a, a thing. company. And we were like, okay, we're Rango Joy Productions. And our first movie is going to be a very depressing film about deportations. Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's what we were feeling at that moment. And so from that, um, that one film, like, the title of that film like really really resonated with us at that moment and it was really such a depressing film that it like it really did a number on our mental health like here we're we're talking about mental health at that moment we were like oh my gosh like we're Mm -hmm. we're doing really bad because this film was just really really dark and like it but it was really representative of like the moments that we were going through at that moment you know at that time and like the title itself borrowed dreams was something that resonated with me heavily as the writer and director of that project because at that moment, like as someone who had just graduated from school, I went to CSUN, you know, Cal State Northridge, had a BA, but like literally had no job prospects, literally had nothing lined up, like in terms of fellowships, like my DACA was expiring at that time too, mm-hmm. you know, like my, um, my papers to be able to work here and stuff, literally had no money in my bank account. And 
it felt like I was living on borrowed time. It felt like yeah. I was living on, on something that was about to run out. And like, it had honestly run out, but I was just like finessing my way through, like, you know, barely paying my bills. Like I would barely pay like the minimum on my credit card, on my car payment, whatever. And like would barely survive months and months, like by doing little, like honestly crappy babysitting gigs and like all this stuff. So when we made that film in the summer of 2019, it was like, we were on borrowed dreams. We were on borrowed mm-hmm. time. And the dreams aspect of it was the fact that like, you know, people had kept calling us dreamers growing up. And like, that's a whole nother topic of like, why it's kind of problematic to call undocumented folks dreamers, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Like, but um, but we felt like the dreams that we had personally for ourselves of like building something here in this country, the dreams to like make our parents proud, the dreams to like, you know, honor whatever our ancestors did for us to be here in this like country. And like literally our parents crossed seven seas, crossed so many different countries and like did so much for us to be here that like at that moment we felt really let down by ourselves and we felt like maybe we were failures and so it felt like naming the movie Borrowed Dreams was the best thing. Uh-huh. And from that moment, um, that was our first film in 2019, really depressing, really just crappy. Um, you know, and we had no budget for it. We had no support, like institutional support. We had no fellowships or grants or anything to make it. It was just like just on our own. It. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we we had like, we had some of our friends just donating like five to 10 bucks. And we ended up, we managed to get like $500 just to like hire someone to be the camera person, like the DP. Mm-hmm. And he was nice enough, um, you know, shout out to Chris Jackson. <laughs> um, if he ever listens to this, he was so nice enough to like join our team and like, you know, work for literally like basically nothing and like build our film with us. Right. And from that moment though, like we realized like, okay, we want to be working with community members, but we don't want to be like further traumatizing them and further like not paying right. them properly. Mm-hmm, right? Because mm-hmm, then that just mm-hmm. like, that defeats the purpose of who we are. And so like, from that moment, we were like, okay, we're not going to make another film until we can raise enough money okay. to hire people properly. So from 2019, of course, the pandemic, the pandemic happened in 2020. And even through 2021, like, you know, there was a lot going on. So fast forward to like fall 2021, like two years later, we are like in the midst of pre-production for the second film that I wrote. I wrote it and I actually just directed it, but it's called Zindagi Dabata, Life mm-hmm. Again. Um, and this film actually has a lot more hope. This film uh, is a film that we're currently working on. We just filmed it in March and it's in like post-production right now. And so that's the- Oh, okay. Exciting stuff going on. But real quick, like before I, before I end that, um, we like sat together in like September, 2021. And we were like, okay, we realistically, like we had a talk with our producers that we hired and they were like, yeah, yeah, I'll need to raise up over $10,000. if You're really trying to like hire people properly and pay them properly. And so- my sisters and I being like not as experienced filmmakers made a whole like fundraiser on this website mm-hmm. called Seed and Spark and mm-hmm. I think I shared it with you too at that moment yeah like, you know yeah in October for four weeks like the, the fundraiser ran for like 30 days I believe in those four weeks dude we raised up over like twelve thousand dollars which is amazing on our own because yeah, I remember you own. doing it and me spreading yeah. it and I was like okay I'm gonna donate I was like yeah you know, Robbie gotta give something and so to hear yeah. you say post-production I'm like oh because I'm not on Instagram no more so I can't really oh, see like what's happening so that's amazing yeah. to still hear about the progress of it oh yeah 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 dude we like thank you for donating too and for contributing and supporting because that um that money that that we were able to make in October um helped us shoot the film in March. Like we had a week okay. like, you know, Omicron variant right. and stuff. Like mm-hmm. it was supposed to be shot in like December, then January. And then we just moved it to March because it was like, we wanted to make sure like everybody was safe with COVID and like, especially our actors who had to have their masks off, right? Like right. Mm-hmm. while they're doing stuff. 
so we ended up um we ended up making the film and like it's changed my entire life honestly already because first off we made it with other fellow impacted folks who were undocumented LGBTQ+, mm-hmm. and an entire BIPOC crew like mm-hmm. that's something that you don't see in mm-hmm. Hollywood at all and that we're doing on our little level of like you know, only having like a 10K budget and doing when Hollywood films have like millions of dollars and they right. still aren't able to do, right? So like- Or do they want to? Oh, do that's they a whole nother. We could do episode 12 on that. I'm just <laughs> All right. Like, you know, like it's a whole other topic of like whatever. So, so from even just that perspective of like production and being a company, we were like really intentional with who we wanted on it, what kind of community we wanted to build. And it wasn't just a film though, because- the story itself is inspired by my grandma, grandmother's passing. Like she passed oh, like, okay. in uh-huh, uh-huh. from ovarian cancer. And the story ended up being um, about a grandmother and like granddaughter who come together because like the granddaughter's like uh, parents die and she has to come live with her estranged aunt and sorry, sorry, her estranged grandmother. Mm-hmm. And in the end, we ended up like in the last few weeks, we ended up shifting it to instead of grandmother, like aunt, because our okay. actor and myself were like, oh, you're not, you're too young to be a grandmother and whatever, mm-hmm. but like, but it was essentially about a grandmother and granddaughter coming together and like figuring out how to live together and like figuring out what to do. Um, and there is an LGBTQ plus aspect to it. So like there's, I don't want to like give anything away, but like, right. It's like people got to watch together it. with all this. <laughs> yeah, you have to watch it for that. Right. And it's coming out in fall 2022. So it'll be out soon in a few months. Um, but like, it's like, they came together, to like figure out what to do. And like, the whole film is about um, second chances, a life again. Like, even though her parents died, the team is, you know, hoping to build something and like hoping to hoping to have some reconciliation and like some healing. And it has a lot to do with mental health, actually. And so it's all about these things. But for me, the big takeaway take when I was writing the script was like, I couldn't afford therapy. I couldn't afford anything else. So all I could afford was writing the stuff on my laptop, right? And right, so I was therapeutic. Place. Mm-hmm. exactly it was a therapeutic form for me and like when I wrote the story out I wrote it with the intentions of thinking like if my grandmother was still alive and I was able to tell her like hey I'm a queer person and I'm doing this work mm-hmm. what would happen you know like I I don't even know like if she would be receptive to it or not but I made this story with the intentions of the grandmother or the older relative being someone in a whole different universe where it is acceptable right to, like, have some sort of LGBTQ plus right person. And some lifestyle, uh, sorry, not lifestyle, but like a life that is different, you know, from other folks and like, you know, and just hoping that like it works out for them at least. So my story, it it like is maybe going to work out for the characters, maybe not, but it's like a hopeful thing that I couldn't have in my own life. And so that's kind of like what our stories are with Brown Girl Joy Productions is we reimagine and we reinvent our own like, you know, communities, like issues different immigration diasporas, different sorts of like moments where hope is needed right? in the form of short films, as well as like other multimedia projects. Yeah. And so Zimbagi Dabara, Life Again, that film that we're working on is the current project that's going to be out summer and like, you know, you'll be invited to the premiere, you know, like all the folks who supported us will be there. And after that, our whole goal for 2022 is like, we want to officially incorporate our business um, and we want to have some sort of nonprofit aspect to it as well, where mm-hmm. we want to actually start a um, fellowship over summer for youth between the ages of like 15 to 25 who want to come in, who are BIPOC and want to come in and like shoot a film over summer and like mm-hmm. get training on how to like 
be storytellers themselves. And so like, that's something that we're hoping that we can start up for next summer in 2023 and like have funding for it. And so like, that's the biggest thing for 2022 is like getting the funding to make the projects that we wanna make, getting the funding to make the fellowship initiative that we have. And then also imagining like for the first time in our lives like we are able to imagine as an undocumented person and as a queer person I feel just so much joy and like the idea of our name was always to provide joy but we mm -hmm. were never feeling it in our work but after this project we're now like reimagining like what does joy look like as brown girls too you know like mm -hmm. what what does our name have to do with the work we're doing and like how do we connect all these things and how do how do we bring joy into other people's lives you know even right though we're all going through so much shit like so yeah, so that's, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. that's beautiful. And it's, and it's like, you're literally with the work that you're doing, you create a lens of yeah. a better or different alternative of what it looked like to live in a way where the stigma is already broken or where the stigma yeah. will be broken while also living out that narrative, which is exactly. a really beautiful thing. Yeah, exactly. Like we're going through the same things that we're doing in our stories and and I think in a way it is very therapeutic. And like when we're talking about mental health, it helps because like I said, for the first time we have hope and that, and that hope comes from our stories finally being able to like have a life of their own, right? When they're filmed and when people are able to see them. And like, for us, it's not even about becoming famous or like being these big filmmakers in Hollywood. For us, it's about if even like two queer kids in our community could see our film and like, uh -huh shed a few tears and be like, yo, I'm gonna be okay in my mm -hmm. life. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to kill myself, honestly. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. That's a really deep thing to say, but I grew it's up real. myself. Like, you know, like I had suicidal thoughts all the time because I was like the only queer person in my community, right? Like if we could even just get two people to not want to like kill themselves or like have these thoughts and feel some sort of hope, my job is done. And I'll be, yeah. I'll be happy, you know, like I'll be really fulfilled. And so that's, that's like our big thing. And I think that is why we will, we are being, we're, we're like being sought out now and we're actually becoming successful because we have these very big intentions in our hearts mm -hmm. and I think that you can see them too. And I think that that really helps with our work is like when people are able to see our intentions and the actionable steps that we're taking for those intentions, they want to jump on and they're like, well, how can we help? How can we contribute? Like, where do we like, you know, show you support? And it's been overwhelming in the last few months because we've been getting a lot of that kind of support now. And like, mm -hmm. and it's finally feeling really, really good. Cause I'm like, yay, like people are seeing, like we're here to stay. We're here to make this amazing work for our communities and like serve our communities and, you know, like help ourselves. And so it, it feels really amazing. And I'm really, really blessed. And even you having me on this podcast now to talk about this makes me feel so amazing because yeah, it's, it's amazing, you know, to be able to do this. So yeah, I'm thankful every day. Yeah. Yes, of course. And thank you so much for sharing just like, you know, your story and sharing your family's story and sharing just like how these real life experiences have shaped passion for you and work for you that probably doesn't even feel like work <laughs> because yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just passion and you living your life in this way. Um, Y'all definitely deserve all the flowers, <laughs> all the acknowledgement. Cause I know that like, you know, sometimes when we hear stuff, it, 
like it can sound like it's easier when you see the finished product or you know it seems but I know that it takes a lot of work a lot of sacrifice a lot of energy a lot of planning a lot of stress like just a lot of everything and joy in order to be able to make these projects come to life um so I'm definitely just you know honored that you were willing to do the podcast and I'm I'm so inspired like the more that I listen to you and like I said like the artistic part of me like gets just so inspired when I hear people going for it and when I hear people like doing it definitely you and your partner every time I think of y'all I'm just like wow like they're just doing it like (laughs) they're just going for it they're not giving up on their passions and their art and you know what it is that they really want to do to transform this world and it makes me like just kind of be like okay Shatina you got to figure out (laughs) how to be able to intertwine and put things like you know and and it's, it's like I think when it comes to like, I know, like you said, like, even in your community, like, oh, this isn't a real job. I feel like in a lot of communities, it's, it's like art can be seen as not a real job until it really pops or like your name is out there. You're really making money. You're really doing this. And it's that fear of sustainability. And like I said, that whole idea of survival yeah. and generations being like, you know, y'all have to, you have to be able to survive. You have to have the basic necessities. And I definitely know for me, that's what made me kind of step back a little bit from like my art side of things is like, okay making you gotta make money like how will I get paid if I do this how will I be able to so it's still trying to figure out a maneuver like through what that process looks like but when I see people making it happen it makes me realize like okay you can make this happen too because you have things to put out there that can like you said help people be like okay I don't want to kill myself today or I feel very motivated today or actually this helped uplift me out of depression or like really having that same type of goal to want to inspire people in that way so thank you so very much <laughs> for being mm. adding some some light and just some spark inspiring me to where I'm like oh yeah like now I feel like doing this so let me think a little bit more about this just from yeah. the conversation that we've had today and you're just such an amazing beautiful well-rounded person that just has so much to just offer the oh, world offer the community offer just everyone like I can tell when someone has a really great radiating spirit and you definitely have that since the very moment that I met you so I do oh, really appreciate you. it of course I, I do really appreciate you. I'm so humbled I'm so honored thank you so much um and yeah and like you know shout out to our partners for you know like being so supportive to us um if Rod's not supportive you let me know I'll be the most <laughs> <laughs> shoot it's on Ivy shoot it's on deck it's on site yes, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that like you know we're we're both like you know wanting to do work like this and I hear you on like the even the sustainability thing like sorry real quick I know we we're like over time right now <laughs> sustainability is the biggest concern even for us right now like we we haven't like made it in the sense of like we're making a bunch of money but and even when we are booked and busy it's it's like you know the trade-off is always like investing in ourselves right mm-hmm. We're working a nine-to-five mm-hmm. where you know mm-hmm. you'll get paid and like it's just it's it's kind of like having to take that leap of faith which is really scary at times and it's it's scary to me even every day now where I'm like oh gosh I hope like you know I pray and I'm like I hope I can pay my bills like I yeah. hope one day that this is my main gig and not me it's like coming I, yeah exactly and even for you you know I know that you know you're you know with always live lovely like I know that there's something big coming for you in terms of like intersecting your artwork and your like beautiful storytelling work with you know your therapy and like even just you like I said being a black therapist and doing even just this like podcast mm-hmm. because it's actually art in itself you know like you're out here not just like wanting to you know do the traditional therapy route you're literally like opening up with folks like me and the other wonderful people who come on your podcast and like creating something with them and that is like so beautiful to see like your collaboration girl it's gonna take you far like you have great <laughs> collaboration skills 
And I know that it's going to be big. And I would love to collaborate with you in the future. Yes! We'd be so happy to have you on. And speaking of Avi, we're actually like about to go into production for his film too. Like, oh, okay. Producer. Yes. Um, And it's actually, it's, it's a, it's like a very like, you know, um, black community oriented story. So like, I'm, I'm just like taking a backseat and letting him like do all his Mm -hmm, stuff. mm Because, you know, of course I'm not black. And so like, you know, it's like, it's a lot of like him shifting the narrative and like, trying to figure out what he wants to do, but it's all about mental health as well. And so like, I think there's ways that we can even collab on that. Yeah. And, like, you and Rod can literally jump on in some ways. So That's really cool. That makes yeah. me, that makes me excited. And even just like, you know, tell us, I know you said you had a film that y'all did before and you have a film that's yeah. coming up. Like, where can we actually like watch or like what's your a website or how can people continue to support? Yeah, um, absolutely. Give us that information. Yeah. yeah. Our Instagram handle is very easy. It's just, at brown girl joy like so mm-hmm. and i'll write it for you and i'll send it to you so that you can share okay like i'll send you the links and maybe you could post them in the yeah definitely email it to me because mm-hmm, yeah, i would love to do that yeah it, right now we have our instagram our website is actually going to go live like by the end of this week too oh so, great perfect timing yeah by the time you post it i'm sure that it'll be uh-huh. awesome. like folks can view some of our stuff there but right now um because a lot of our projects are actually at film festivals and stuff it's kind of exciting um oh. they're not viewable like publicly yet, okay we have a lot mm-hmm. of stills and like very beautiful like, okay narratives written and things that people could check out that'll give them a great sense of like where things are and by the summertime we one of the films will be publicly viewable on our website too and i'll give okay. you nitrogen then to let folks know mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank yeah, you so much for sharing that. I definitely want, you know, the audience, you know, because I have like a, a small but mighty but growing audience. Oh, <laughs> Same thing I as you. It's growing. It's growing. <laughs> Same yeah, thing as you. I'm like, if I can reach one person, hey, then the job here is done. Yeah, <laughs> so no, for sure. Really want people I to be mean. able to have access to it. And I didn't know if you had just any like closing thoughts or any closing questions or anything that you just wanted to make sure that people really got you know, from this podcast conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I would love it if both of us could share just like something that's bringing, that's been bringing us joy recently, Mm -hmm. like both of us. So Mm -hmm. you can start and then I could end and then you could close. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. You're like, let me think. (laughs) You know, I'll say, because I think it is like a perfect little time for me to make this little announcement because of the simple fact that like I put out one episode and then I kind of (laughs) like... didn't put out any more episodes before this season I'm like oh my goodness girl you didn't drop the bomb but I'm trying I'm trying to push it out but (laughs) I definitely feel like the most two biggest things that have been giving me the most joy is one being um, a newlywed and getting married in January so like you know that has really been like great and just transformative in all the most beautiful ways and then also in addition to that role like I'm becoming a mom so becoming a mom in June so that has also been the next biggest thing and it's such a like you know as I as I'm sitting here and as you've been talking and as I've been just thinking about like okay career lives for me because you know with with women and having the baby and the shifts and having to take the break and then having to figure out how to pick up from there it really like I'm 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 teaching myself to look at it as not like okay I gotta put this on pause or I gotta do this or I gotta do that but it's like new beginnings like it's like an opportunity for a new beginning for me to pick up and do something that, that not only like 
I, I used to like really be like, okay, my family's looking at me and that makes me really proud and I'm breaking things generationally. And I really took pride because I'm an aunt and I've been an aunt since I was five. Um, so I have a couple of nieces and wow. nephews. And every time I would graduate, I would really make it a point of like, I'm doing this so that you can see what you can do. And I'm doing this so that you can go further than me. So you can see, well, somebody did this. So let me try to go further. But it's like, it is now on a whole nother level of like, my child will be watching yeah. me and I have a husband that's like rooting for me yeah. and it makes me really like think like okay what is it that I want him to see his mommy do and I want him to be able to see me like overcome fear and overcome standing in my own way and really go for what I wanted with my career and what I wanted with my life so that he can know like the fears that was starting to like make me like okay I'm not gonna do this let me just stay in this box let me just stay with the nine to five let me just do what society says is how I'm gonna survive like being able to break that for just my my family lineage and even for my husband's family lineage of like okay but your mom and dad we go after what we want so when he gets Mm. to the point of figuring out it's a boy but when he gets to the point of figuring out like you know what he wants to do in life us being able to just support him and him being able to know like don't let fear be the thing that stops you if you have something you're really passionate about and that you want to go for it we're going to support you and try to make that happen we're going to help uplift you and so like it's it's such a deeper level of me thinking now of like things that I can create now more so from building on top of things I know like he's going to be a part of witnessing that and so that's been like a really big just joy for me of trying to like let all this (laughs) let all this sink in of what is to come Oh, that is so sweet. Congrats <laughs> on everything. Thank like, you. Oh, I can't even imagine. You're probably waving that finger around too. Like, life up here. L- listen, my, my, because of being pregnant, my finger swell. I can't even... <laughs> and I thought I was doing so good. I'm like, oh, you only got like two more months. And then one day I woke up and I'm like, it won't go down. Like, <laughs> so I'm just like, well... Yeah, and I already know you're going to do this in the future, but you need to do some co- podcast of, like, your experiences being pregnant. Oh, like, absolutely. Like, because like, it's, like, it's on my mind. Good, good. Yeah, see, that, that's what I mean. You're a visionary. Like, you're already thinking. That's that season you know? three, y'all. That's that season yeah. three. I'm already three. on it. Hey, good, good. <laughs> see, at least now they know there is a season three. Yeah. Uh-huh. There definitely will be. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm so happy for you. And, so, you know, again, congrats, congrats, congrats. It's so wonderful and that is such joyous news like both of those things and you being so like you know intentional with your life and like building something for your child is just the most beautiful thing and I think like their your child is in good hands you know like they're gonna have such an amazing mom and such an amazing dad and so just really proud of you both you know like y'all are doing it so that's great yeah, and um, and just real quick before we end to get my joyous thing. Yes. Um, well, one, it was hearing you say your joyous thing. That's even more cheesy. Really, really happy to hear you say all that. And then two, um, you know, just uh, my joyous thing is just being really grateful these days to have the life I'm having and the opportunities I'm about yeah. to have and like having currently, you know, with Brown Girl Joy Productions and like finally like honing and like owning myself uh, being a filmmaker and like my identity is you know, um, a woman of color, a queer person, undocumented person, um, being in this space of filmmaking that is often very white, often very, very um, focused on, uh, you know, like white folks and mainstream media just does not even talk about LGBTQ plus issues and things Mm -hmm. like that. And I'm just very happy that like, I go beyond just like representation, like I go to like actually build these communities and build these amazing 
spaces where people feel more than just tokens, right? Like for mm-hmm. these big, like, like uh, I guess like name phrases of like DEI work and like representation and like POC, like, you know, I do more than that. And that makes me happy now to recognize that like it's being seen, it's being recognized and that I'm just constantly thinking about this stuff. You know, it makes me happy and it makes me happy that my family's doing it with me. So yes. that's the thing to me. So yeah, I'm just happy yes. all around. Yeah. Yes, that's so beautiful. And you just embodying and just being present, being yeah. present and where you are with your life right now and just finding the joy and the love and the expansion that you're experiencing throughout all. So mm. I definitely appreciate you for that. Was like a perfect way to close out the episode yeah. on such a brown girl joy. What is your joy? Like I saw, I see what you did. I see what you yeah. did. I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate it. So definitely, yeah. y'all, check out Brown Girl Joy. Check out Amrith Core. Actually, remember the name. Like remember it because oh, y'all heard it here. <laughs> y'all heard it yeah. here. So make sure I'm gonna make sure that I put all of the information in um in the bio for the episode that's gonna be on YouTube and it's gonna be on all the podcast platforms. But thank you so much for taking out the time today to be able to just speak with us and share and have this breaking barriers discussion on undocumented lens. And I'm just looking forward to us collaborating more in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds great. Thank you.